And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Let's be honest, there's 29 NBA teams and then there's a G League roster with a few stars. They have a math problem offensively. Saturdays are the most fun day of the week. And with that, you get the most fun pod right here on the Athletic NBA show. It's called the Saturday Slam and Jam. You'll hear me, Andrew Schlecht, and my co-host Alex Spears break down the past week of NBA basketball bring on a smart beat writer to give you the lowdown on their team. And then we have a trivia game, Andrew versus the beat where I just try not to humiliate myself. So when you're raking your leaves, brewing your coffee, or just taking care of stuff around the house, listen to Saturday slam and jam right here on the athletic NBA show. Right in your podcast face. Welcome to the athletic NBA show on the athletic podcast network. Man, you tell them to keep having fun because everybody, you know, y'all played in the league. Everybody be like, oh, it's just a regular season, just a regular season. You're right, but you got to play the games that's in front of you. With a group that works like they do, the group that embraces some of our mantras. We talk about getting better every day. We talk about playing together. When you do those things, you end up on a stage like this. For our city of Milwaukee, NBA champions. Yeah. It's big time. They have a math problem offensively. This is Nerder She Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour. With Mo Dekeel. Are you ready to be entertained? And Seth Hartnett. They have a math problem offensively. You see, you see all these people. Wait, wait, wait. This organization, what we, what we put together. You can't make this stuff. This ain't well played. It don't know nothing better. Hello and welcome to the Athletic NBA Show. It's Friday, so it's Nerder She Wrote. I'm Dave DeFore, here with Seth Partnow and Mo DeKeel, as I am just about every single week. Uh, before we get started, a little bit of business up front. Go to theathletic.com slash NBA show. Get access to The Athletic. Get access to this podcast without ads. All the journalism that we have over at The Athletic, where you can read Jared Weiss's new story from Miles Turner, where he talks about how Miles wants to see a change. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later on in the show. Go to theathletic.com slash NBA show. Sign up. Tell them Dave sent you. What's up, fellas? Pretty busy week. Busy week. It's weird, fellas. It's there's like there are there's like droplets of water coming down from the sky here in Los Angeles. I don't I don't I don't know what this is, guys. I, this is weird. I'm, I'm a little bit worried. And you still probably have better weather than Seth has up in Milwaukee right now, I'm assuming. Well, there's also been water coming from the sky here, but it's been much more uh, solidified, if you will. Crystalline, in fact. <laughs> I don't know how unique. you... I don't know There's how been you, a lot of unique water. I don't know how you deal with that there, Seth. This is this is, this is is a new experience here. I don't know how you can deal with what you got going. It's going to be <laughs> 80 and sunny here in North Texas today, which I'm pretty pumped about. Uh, guys, don't forget, every single week, Mo does his one Mo thing over on Twitter. And this week, he was talking about the empty side pick and roll, which we've actually talked a lot about already this season uh, and and the way it puts defenses at a disadvantage. So go and check that out. Don't forget, he does that jump ball Twitch stream over at twitch.tv slash Mo underscore NBA. Uh, guys, we're going to lead off the show as we do every week with our favorite things. And I'm going to start because it's a show. Well, it's our show, but our show, I'm at least Dave, the one that our show. I talk the most. Uh, I talk the most. So I'm going to start. But I just want to get the show started on the right foot. And uh, I was lucky enough this week to, to do one of my favorite podcasts as a guest. I was on the Chase Down podcast with Justin Rowan and Carter Rodriguez, two of my favorite dudes. And it gave me a good chance to dive in and watch all the Cavs games from the last week. And, and of course, we're recording this on Thursday. We saw them with the big win over the Bulls on Wednesday night. And, and now the Bulls are shorthanded, but you play who's in front of you. Man, I am very impressed with the Cavs. 
and even more so after getting to watch them so many games in a row. I think that that's how you get a, a, a true sense of what a team is. You have to catch them two, three, four games in a row to get a sense of, of who they are. And guys, the Rubio bump is real. And we've known that it has been real in other places, but we're really seeing it in Cleveland. They're, they're a good basketball team. Darius Garland, that guy is only a hop or a jump away from being a, a legit top level player. I, I'm not saying that he could get to John Morant's level by next season, but you can see the the progress in his game and, and his threes are really opening up the floor for him getting to the basket and, and in that pick and roll game with Jared Allen and Evan Mobley and Evan Mobley. I don't know that I've ever seen a rookie defend the way that he does, especially as a big, because usually rookie bigs are just awful and he's got great instincts, great feel. And he has contributed to this team having the third best defense in the league a quarter of the way through the season. And and for all the questions we had about Mobley and Jared Allen working together, I think that they've actually answered those questions pretty well. In the last two weeks, they've actually taken a, a mini leap. Per cleaning the glass, the Cavs have had a 98.7 defensive rating in their last seven games. They're five and two in those seven games. And their losses were back-to-back losses to Utah, and Milwaukee. And if you're going to lose to a couple of teams, number one, losing both ends of a back-to-back, I mean, it's, it stinks, but you lost to Utah and Milwaukee and they were in both of those games. So I'm not sure if y'all caught those games, but I've been very impressed. The coaching has been excellent. They've got great culture. It feels like Kevin Love looks happy playing basketball again. Uh, The Cleveland Cavaliers are the best story in the sport to me. I know I, it's hard to disagree with any of that. I think that, that you sort of mentioned him in passing, but I want to also give a lot of praise to Jared Allen. Um, I think there were, you know, he signed a big contract this summer. It, some people side-eyed it. Um, I thought in a vacuum, it was, it made sense for, for him, but then him and Mobley, and then you acquire Markinen, like that seemed weird early in the season. I certainly made some cracks about, you know, Markinen being a sort of an anchor on the team. Since he's come back to the lineup, Markinen has been really good. And the three of those guys have been defensively, um, collectively far more mobile than we thought they would be. Like Mobley is obviously getting a lot of the the attention uh, for, for good reasons. But I think like Jared Allen has a legitimate all-star case this year. And he's every bit as a, a, a part of their defense being what it's been um, the, as Mobley, as much because it allows, this is a little bit like uh, Brooke Lopez has sort of allowed Giannis to slide to kind of that uh, free safety role. Uh, Jared Allen protecting the rim, you know, matching up against the bigger, bulkier guys has allowed Mobley to slide into those positions where he can he can use his multiple skills and and mobility and stuff like that to be sort of an all court defender. So this is yeah, this is just a you know a, a really fun team, great story. Um, you know, I, I as a longtime admirer of Ricky Rubio, I'm I'm admiring uh, you know the, the, his. Uh, his his sort of merging of his NBA style with the Spanish national style of uh, of aggressive Ricky Rubio. We've talked about that before. So yeah, this is this is easily the I think the best story in the league this year so far. Well, well the best part about the Cavs is it's the return of the Twin Towers, right? Like we've never really over over years kind of thought we were going to get this again, right? Everybody was going smaller. Everybody's playing smaller. Let's play. You know, granted. Guys are the length and everything like that was still important. But for the most part, you know, you had that in Milwaukee and now you have the Twin Towers here in uh, uh, Cleveland. So it's kind of fun to sort of watch that whole thing. Everything about this Cleveland team is great. I don't know if you guys caught the postgame press conference with Laurie Markinen and Darius Garland after the game. Uh, it's going to be Wednesday night, you know, and they're just clowning around and joking and having that ke- just goes back to what Dave was saying in terms of just the chemistry and the camaraderie. And I know, uh, Seth always likes to talk about, you know, team energy and stuff like that. And they have that. This is one of those teams that has I, it. Excuse me. I, I, have, I have a specific name for it. It's Team Mo. You're saying it for momentum, but Team Mo is different yeah. for me. Team Mo yeah. is my yeah, exactly. team, so it's different. Um, <laughs> but yes, I am a momentum swinger for folks, uh, just so everybody needs to know. Um, but that's all of that works for this team. And it's it's fun to watch this sort of develop in how they're doing it. We kind of saw flashes of this last season, 
You know, they started out pretty well, went through a, a, a rough run and have really kind of picked it up since. And it's, it's just awesome to watch. And, 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 you know, Kevin Love back. Like, it's weird. Like, all those things you touched on, it's all interesting stuff. It's just, it is fun to watch. And they're a fun freaking team to watch themselves. So this is this is this is the perfect segue into my favorite thing of the week, which I'm you know to be flippant, I'll call it vibes. But I think maybe one of my favorite things I saw this week is I was just randomly watching uh, the, the Kings play last night, and um, I think it was Rashawn Holmes had like a had like a tip dunk or something like that, and this, the the dunk itself was fun. But the best part is like Tyrese Halliburton is is just like. His, you know, he's one of the best hate men in the league right now in terms of being excited for his teammates' success, and that's always been something that's that's been one of my favorite things about watching sports. Like watching a soccer game, you know, the guy who scores the goal goes crazy. Watching like his teammates, like especially if it's a spectacular goal, watching that look of like disbelief on their face, and I just I've I've been enjoying kind of the the, the times when uh, a player gets hot. And you see the you see the guys on the bench like falling over themselves and jumping up and down, or or Euro stepping up and down the sideline. I don't know why it struck me particularly this week, but it just seems like I've seen a lot of like just you know joy in basketball happening this week, and that's been my favorite thing this week. Oh, I wonder you, Seth. That was mine. <laughs> was it really seriously? <laughs> <laughs> I got another one for us, Dave. But continue on. With, I, I just interrupted. I you. wonder. <laughs> I wonder if this is uh, a byproduct of the lack of tanking. I wonder if it's a byproduct of so many teams feeling like they have a chance at the playoffs. And even a, a sad sack team like the Kings that have fired their coach. I mean, they still have a shot at this play in. So maybe, maybe the joy, I mean, joy comes from winning, right? But it's not exclusive to winning. I think the prospect of winning I mean, can also be joyful. Goal. Right? Garrison Matthews was fired up last night right. as the as the Rockets were, were were beating the 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 Nets and it was that was a fun little thing too because he and it seemed like he and Harden were kind of like you know yik yakking back and forth a little bit and there's <laughs> yeah. one point when they started talking where Harden hit a four point play on him and it was like oh well maybe you shouldn't talk but then for the rest of the game like you know Matthews ends up with like a couple dunks so he he got a steal on Harden trying to like walk the dog. Like how did, how just, did, uh, how did he end up on a, uh, a two way contract? Like I thought he did pretty I well know. for Washington last year. Like he had moments that like, I, uh, I just don't know. Like I, I'm watching him play and I'm like, he's on a two way. What the hell? <laughs> like, that, I wonder if that's Mo. And th- this is something to look into. I wonder if it's a, like a minimum player where a guy is just, okay, this guy's a two way until he converts. Right. And he's just going to bounce around as a two way until eventually he signs a real deal somewhere. Right. It's I think Garrison Matthews, you were right. He was good in Washington. I'm surprised that he's still on a two way. But we're going to wind up having to talk about the Rockets at some point. I mean, they've won seven games in a row. Right. They're just like this makes no sense to me. So, uh, yeah, the the season has been fun. I think that the vibes I, I we've obviously talked about the vibes a lot so far this year. But I wonder if and, – and there's no way for us to know. But I wonder if the winning has anything to do with it or at least the prospect, the chance that these teams have a, an opportunity to make the playoffs. Uh, but something to pay attention you, to. You even touched on it just with the Kings. I mean as of right now of the recording, the Kings are in the plan. They're 10th right now. They've won three games in a row. They're 5-3 and three since they let Luke Walton go and Alvin Gentry has taken over. Like there's just positive stuff. I think, you know – you. you you're seeing a lot of fun teams out there. I think there's a lot more excitement. I mean, Minnesota has been a ton of fun, you know, really just overall, it's been a great season. Like we got a lot of fun stories to go with. The, oh, Seth is making a face. Maybe it's not a good. No, I, 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 I've got, I've got, a, I've got beef with Minnesota. Right oh, beef! You get, you get, you get drilled by thirty-two by the Jazz, and you're out here talking about why is Rudy Gobert defensive? Oh, relax. That, yeah, that was. Don't dumb. do get, this. <laughs> Hold on. Wait a second. Yeah. Now wait a second, guys. Now I just got to say, as the official. Anthony Edwards whisperer of this podcast. I think he's playing mind games because Rudy Gobert was awesome. <laughs> he was awesome in that game. I just think, I think he, I think Anthony Edwards just really wanted him to know, Hey, you're not that awesome, but he's pretty awesome. Yeah. That, that, that's going to backfire. Same on Porzingis. That's going to backfire. Same Porzingis. 
Look, Anthony Edwards saying that Porzingis is the best rim protector that he's played against is the funniest thing to come out of any player's mouth. I mean, it's just absolutely hilarious. And for him to be like, well, we weren't even worried about Rudy. Meanwhile, I think Anthony Edwards was one of four at the basket when Rudy was in the game. And I think the Timberwolves shot like 30% overall or something while Rudy was out there. So, yeah, I mean. But but Rudy, didn't they didn't have Rudy guarding Cat, so therefore – what it's again yeah, it's, right yeah. well because cat's a big guard um all right let's move <laughs> on uh mo what's your favorite thing since seth stole your original one well i did enjoy the passion of this week from from guys and seeing everybody kind of get fired up one guy in particular who i saw get fired up and i've really kind of enjoyed his week has actually been joel and beats he's come back from covid they've had he's had a, a good run they had a, a comeback win against the hawks he had two monster games against charlotte and and charlotte was small in those games, obviously, with everything that's gone on with with them and the injuries, but he dominated the way you would expect a big man to dominate. Going like, "Yo, you're small, I'm gonna crush you." Forty three points one game. I think he had thirty three the next game. Like, just monster performances from him, and you're seeing it from from his excitement. But the thing I really love about it is he's actually doing a really great job passing out of double teams. Something we saw flashes of last year. He's gotten even better at it this year. Even some passes from the high post area and things like that. If he can facilitate offense for them from the the top of the three point line a little bit, hitting some high lows with Tobias Harris and things like that, that's going to tick up the offense just a little notch higher. And I think they need all of them. And I think after that big run where everybody was out with COVID, you're beginning to see them rise again and, and, and see them kind of come back to that eight and two team that they were to start the season. I think like the, the Sixers are probably on the rise, but it's been fun to watch just Embiid kind of go at it and be a big man. And again, I don't know if you guys caught the post game interview that he's super excited to go back home to Philly. They've been on a nine game road trip. And the dude at the end of the interview was like, I, I want to go home. Let's go. Let's get on the plane. Everybody get your ass on the plane. Let's go home. I want to go see my kid. I just enjoyed that. What What are you seeing with Philly that's different with Embiid out there? I mean, obviously they weren't able to use Andre Drummond as like the fulcrum of their offense. And it was a lot of Tyrese Maxey, but now that Embiid's back out there and they've got that stabilizing post guy, you know, are, are you seeing that they're really using him as a as a passer more or what do you what are you seeing out of them? No, I'm seeing first I'm seeing them use him in different ways, right? Like he's still kind of pick and pop right into the high post area, into that like dirk isolation area. They still got him in the post and just his force and and, and, and and like we talk about Steph's gravity, he has gravity, right? Like he pulls in the second defender and he's making those passes so quick. And that's obviously something that they're missing when he's not on the floor. Like listen, Drummond, you're not going. You're not coming to double team, and maybe Charlotte had to because they were small. But in general, if you have a decent big, you're not doubling Drummond. You're not getting those opportunities for guys. I think when you have him beat out there, it just sort of sucks up the defense's attention, and it opens up opportunities. And he's becoming more and more of a willing passer, which is something that he hasn't been over the you know past few years. I think that just opens things up, and some of that opens opportunities for Curry, for Harris, for Maxi to kind of attack on the the closeouts and things like that. It's all just good stuff there that they got going, and it all stems from from him being the the center of the offensive universe for the Sixers. And now his mid range shooting is not as as good as it was last year. And now part of that is I think that he hasn't quite found a rhythm yet because I, I I don't think last year's is really that nuts. He's got nice touch. I, I think he could be a 45% and above mid-range shooter, Seth. Well, he is shooting 40% from three this year. And I was going to well, – 40, almost nearly 41%. And so I was going to say that, okay, he's, he's, the, the, mid, the longer mid-range shots haven't been quite as accurate. But overall, he's been a – this is the second straight year of him being a pretty consistently decent jump shooter – um, from from the outside, and this is the kind of thing that in today's game is often present prevents sort of uh, bigs from being kind of that late game closer type players. Um, but he and Jokic, especially right now, are able to do that because they can play so effectively facing the basket. And so many of the like, yes, he made some hay getting to the rim in some of these in these games against Charlotte, but he's also just hitting like you know, the same kind of leaning mid-rangers that, you know, a Kevin Durant or a Chris Paul is hitting that are kind of those daggers, late those late shot clock daggers. He's sticking those two. 
And that's that's the kind of thing that propels you to being combine that with his defensive presence. That's the kind of thing that propels you to being like a top tier player, a top tier superstar, a guy who's the best player on the floor in a playoff series. So if you're if you're looking at Philly like that development right there um, and, you know, we'll, we'll probably talk about this more later, but you have to figure that in one shape or, for, or, or form, there are kind of reinforcements coming at some point. Yeah, and he's also uh, he's up per hundred possessions, almost a, a little over two assists per hundred possessions. That's big time from him because one of the things that we needed to see from Joel Embiid in his development was to be able to find not even just running offense through him, but when the double comes, how does he handle it? And over the last few years, I, I think that any sort of concerns that anyone would raise, Matt Moore, especially shout out to Matt Moore. Uh, about Embiid getting rushed in a double and not being able to find open guys, that's all gone. That, you can't double Embiid anymore. No, number one, he can still score against your double, but number two, he can find guys, and he's got guys around him because guess what? They're not playing a non-shooter next to him anymore. So, um, you know, that's a big deal. And he gets it out quick. That's just the most important thing. He's not waiting, right? Like, as the double's coming, he's not waiting for it to get here and then me find it. It's he sees the guy coming. He's already making that pass right away. So that's that's the stuff. That's been my favorite thing to watch this week. Career low turnover rate for for Embiid so far this year. That's that's usually a positive development when you can assist your teammates more and uh, turn the ball over less. Just yeah. just you know, while still being a like like okay, career low turnover rate. Maybe you're you know you're like Carmelo has a career low turnover rate because he's standing in the corner and, and whatever. But but now, but Embiid is still, everything is running through him and he's got a career low turnover rate. That's a very nice development. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily with 24 seven US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. All right, guys. Trade season begins on December 15th with the summer's past signings now eligible to be traded uh, on that date. And there are a few teams that seem ready to make some deals, guys. This week, reporting at The Athletic has suggested that the Pacers could be entering a teardown and are listening to offers on Miles Turner, Demonis Sabonis, Karis LeVert. I'm assuming other guys as well, if you, if you want to make calls about them. And uh, hot on the heels of firing Neil O'Shea as their general manager in Portland, Damian Lillard's camp, let it be known that he wants to play with Ben Simmons for some reason. I'm not quite sure why, but, you know, that's what he wants. So, guys, <laughs> listen, I'm not saying that Ben Simmons is a bad player, but I'm just saying I don't I don't understand why of all the guys to help fix their problems. That's the one that comes up. Oh, I do. Uh, yeah, no, it makes well, perfect sense. Yeah. The one of of the guys that are like reasonably available. Okay, yeah, I think so, I think we we know we know how far like this the two small guard thing where neither of them can defend. We know where that gets us. It's not. How's very it going far. in Cleveland though? It's going okay in Cleveland. It's gotten a lot better for Cleveland. I mean, I don't think it's an accident that their that their real run has happened after. Unfortunately, after Colin Sexton got injured, because like Rubio is not a small guard. And so now you're instead of instead of starting, you know, two small guards who are mediocre or worse defensively, if, if it's Rubio starting, Rubio's an excellent defender and he plays bigger than his than, than six four or whatever. Or they're starting, you know, they're starting Isaac Okoro, who isn't much on the offensive end, but is a very pretty stout good defender. defender. I mean also yeah. also you have two big erasers behind you in Cleveland. Right. Like they have to, and that's, that's that's my point. No, but but yeah. But the thing is, like, it makes sense. With for Simmons, just in the sense, of, not just defensively. Obviously, he would kick sure. up their defense that's been god awful for two years now. Uh, 
it's it's offensively the short roll, right? Like it's 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 you know, um, shout out to Nate Jones who's been screaming like the the he would love to see Draymond in Portland. Well, this is this is Draymond Light, you know, in that sense. You know, you hit him, you hit, you run a pick and roll with him, and Dame hits Ben Simmons on the short roll. Good luck, you know. And I think that's kind of what you're looking on the offensive end. We know what you'd get defensively. I think that's what, that also just makes it. It just makes the most sense. And for a guy that we know is available. I don't think it's, I think, I don't think it's just like off ball, like the, in like a role. I think like letting Dame play more off ball too. I mean, he's a guy who partially because that's a team that has been so reliant on him over the last couple of years. He's a guy who has tended to kind of break down and we're, we're, we're frankly, we're seeing it right now with him, with him having this, these, these core muscle injuries that are kind of lingering from, from the Olympics this summer. Um, but letting him, you know, have some get some get some offense a little bit easier. Not have to create everything. Not have to you know, break a guy down and pull up from twenty eight feet. Have let Ben Simmons break someone down and kick to him some more. Uh, let it give him some more juice later in the season, especially as he starts to get a little older. So I think it like from a fit standpoint, if you think Ben Simmons is right and ready to play. I think that like like the natural it's some it's like CJ McCollum and something that's that's just an like an obvious and substantial upgrade to how good that team is. I think Ben Simmons is a better player than McCollum in like not not particularly close even in a vacuum and then fitting with that team just a massive upgrade. Now that having said that that makes you wonder how, what the trade looks like on the other side and I wouldn't take CJ McCollum for Ben Simmons if I was Philly but we'll get into that. Yeah, I mean uh- I have a lot of opinions on that as well, but I also have an, a, a, a Portland rant here, and I hope you guys are ready for this one because my rants go so well, and every team seems to love it when I when I go on one. But here's the thing, and Seth alluded to it: we know how long, we know how far this CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard pairing works, right? Like it's time to blow it up. You don't know what you're getting from your owner, Jody Allen. You're not sure if she's going to sell the team or or, or whatnot. You have uh, you brought in a new coach. You have two guys on expiring contracts and Yusuf Nurkic and Robert Covington. You're not sure you're going to resign. So odds are you're going to probably try to move them at the trade deadline. You have a it, it's uh, that's it. This didn't work. It, it, you had a great run. I shouldn't say it didn't work. You had a great run. You had eight years of being relevant, making great runs into the playoffs, fun games, things like that. I think you got to I think you got to do the whole fire sale. I think it's time to move Dame. It's time to move CJ. The biggest problem was giving CJ the the thirty million dollar contract. I like CJ, but I'm not a thirty million dollar CJ McCollum fan. I think you got to start. You got to just completely wipe it clean now and start over because this isn't working. And Dame's thirty one years old. He's not. You're not going to be able to. Tra- I don't think you're going to get a lot for CJ at this point. I think you waited too long to trade him. And that's that's going to hurt them. And there's a timing to all of these things and that contract. To Seth's point, why would Philly trade for C.J. McCollum when they're getting not the same and not as much, but getting Seth Curry doing a lot of the same stuff for like eight nine million? That's a twenty two million dollar gap. Are you really? Is it that really that big of a? The, the, how good those two guys are? Is it that big of a gap? I don't think so. Everything they're not close. Well, yeah, and so that's why you got to either give away all your draft picks for Philly to be interested. Or, or, or whatnot. And I think that's the stuff. I think for Portland, I know it's a bit extreme and things like that. Wipe the slate clean. If Jody Allen's going to sell the team, sell the team. Let a new ownership group come in. Let them hire the new GM and go from there. But it's time like this. It's run its course. You know, it's not going to get any better. The defense didn't improve. There was no changes, substantial changes this offseason in the roster. We know what this team is. And like they might I not was even told make the, the roster wasn't the problem. Yeah, well, we've, <laughs> we've 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 hit on that one quite a bit. But it, I, I, I'm sorry, and I know Portland fans will be upset. But it's just time. Like you got to get the, as much as you possibly can for Dame right now. Even if Dame doesn't want to be traded, you got to just start making those moves now. You got to think uh, uh, ahead here. Trading CJ is not going to make you a, a championship level team right now. The, the coaching thing is very interesting to me in Portland because now there's reporting coming out that. Dame preferred a coach with experience and all that, you know, so you're getting sniping at the new coach, which is never great. Um, you now are in a, a position where you're searching for a GM. I mean, obviously this is, this is worst case scenario, I think for, for them, especially with Dame being out Now you're saying trade Dame. What the hell does a Dame trade even look like? 
right? Like you mentioned, 31 years old, uh, maybe on the downswing of his career. Like if we're just following normal aging curves and, and taking away some of the aberrations we've seen, uh, I don't know, man, like can the Lakers swing it? Nah, I, I, I just, like, how does this work? No, they don't have anything, right? Like well, uh, the, I I mean, the, know, the only way the money works is Russ. And that's like, Oh my gosh. That, that would be amazing. <laughs> how great that Think would about be. it. So Dame, Dame is in a position where as, as a superstar of his caliber, he almost gets to pick his destination to a certain degree. Uh, and like, so how the hell does this even work? Cause I'll, I'll be honest with you. I hadn't thought about the fact that maybe they should trade Dame. Oh, there's one team that's really been waiting on this for a while. And it, it, it is Philly. Like Philly is kind of waiting for let's, let's go. We're waiting till Dame's available. No, no. Every time they've called and said, Hey, we're going to give you CJ. They're like, no, we want CJ and all of your picks or, Give us Dame, and we'll give you some picks as well as Simmons. I think that's the most logical place for Dame to go and compete for a championship immediately, right? And that's going to cost Philly. It's going to be more than Simmons, right? Simmons, but it'd be worth it. A hundred, a hundred percent. This is a no-brainer. It'd be, but you know, it'd be Simmons. Maybe it's even Maxi. You know, which which might hurt a little bit. I know Philly fans right now just felt like I, I drove a stake in their heart, but. You're getting Dame, probably. so deal with it. Um, and, and I think Curry, Curry's got to go somewhere. Probably no. I think I, no. I think you, you think they can I keep think Curry if, if you have if you have Embiid behind. I think you know having just ranted about the about the small <laughs> two cards, cards. But, yeah. yeah. But but if you but you have you know you have one of the two or three best imperial presences in in the league, and especially if the deal somehow involves like Covington coming back to Philly or something right. like that, well, you get you get some defense or, like, or you uh, and, enough defense and, and, and hold on to Thibel. You know, I think yeah, that right. opens up the opportunity and, and, and Philly is going to send draft picks, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and swaps and things like that. I, I think there's that's probably the most logical tr- like Dame destination. Yeah. I imagine if Dame goes on, if they're like, yo, we're going to trade Dame. About 20 teams are going to be calling with offers. So it's not like, you know, everybody's going to be making pitches. I know the Knicks would make a big run at Dame. You know, again, I don't know if I'm if I'm New York, I don't think that makes sense for them. And again, it comes back to age. And I don't think it makes sense for Dame unless you know there's somebody else coming later. You know, because Dame 31, like you just you just become Carmelo. In New York, you know, if you're, if you're Dame in that instance, and well, I think that I I do think the Knicks have this is I've, I've I was on a Knicks podcast over the last weekend, and this is getting back to like the smart things that Leon Rose has done in management. There is they have they have they have structured some contracts, so they have like they don't have to do quite the same thing that the Knicks did when they got Carmelo, which is to get to the salary to get Carmelo, they just have to move everything and then there's no team left like they have guys they can move on reasonable contracts that would not be burdensome to portland so it would be like some guys and some picks but it would still leave like a team behind now they'd have to they'd have to give you know it's probably like some you know of their young players whether that's you know rj barrett or or obi toppin or or manual quickly and some picks and some other stuff but still like it, they, they would not have they would not be a situation where it would be like you have no team left the, quite the way it was when, when they, when they traded for the, with uh, when, when, you know, Masai took him to the cleaners uh, when he traded uh, Carmelo from Denver. Yeah. And I, but I, there's just, there's going to be a lot of options there for Portland if they want to blow this up and you can really kind of build a whole like asset cliche, you, you know, cupboard thing. Listen, I, you guys know how I feel about tanking and things like that. Obviously they will be bad this year. I'm going to be honest with you. You're bad right now. Yeah. Like you're not, you're not, I mean, you're heading to the lottery now. Yeah. And there's, and especially with the injuries they've had, that's kind of, that's, that's sunk cost. I'm, I'm, I'm not quite ready to go all the way there to you specifically with Dame. I do think that if you find a way to make a Simmons thing happen without Dame, like maybe that's the way you give it the reset and give it kind of one more shot. Who knows if they can actually, if they can actually do that. Um, the team that I've kind of talked myself into like I didn't think I was going to because I thought there was just like too much work to do to do a teardown uh, is Indiana. Uh, Danny LaRue, Sam Vecini and I uh, wrote about this earlier this week on, on The Athletic is just looking at kind of the options for for trading their guys in a way that can more, you know, retool their roster into better balance. It's actually kind of hard to see how that works. So that gets you to the point of, OK, it might just be time to be bad because they don't have they don't have any sort of spark on that team. And, you know, in, Indiana is actually a pretty decent basketball market 
but I don't, it, it's over the last little bit, it's kind of seen that being okay, being like a play-in team, being a, a low-level playoff team is not, as I, as I put it in that article, it doesn't spark joy anymore. So they need Indiana, something with some, some juice. Indiana is a team that has had the same roster roughly for the last few seasons and they've changed coaches. This is now the third coach, Rick Carlisle. And for some reason, like everyone comes into this season thinking that this roster is going to outperform itself. And no, I mean, they've had these, these problems for years. And, and, you know, Jared did an interview, uh, Jared Weiss did an interview at the athletic with, with miles Turner, where he talked about his frustrations kind of yeah. echoes some of mine with, with listen, I, I do think that miles Turner is a player who has value for a team that is not Indiana, right? Like he is a guy who is just in the, in the wrong spot. That's the number one guy. And, and I know a lot of people think the warriors, but I don't know that he fits all that great there. Um, but I think miles Turner is a guy who could wind up being a swing piece for a team that needs to shore up some defense. I, I'm not sure exactly who that is, but you know, I, I'm, wanted to talk about it because I do think miles Turner is a, a needle mover for someone like could Charlotte somehow get miles Turner. I want to go back to golden state real quick. This is something that, that, that Sam and Danny and I argued about your golden state. You should be all in winning a title this year, next year with, you know, Steph Draymond as they're in like presumably kind of the, the back end of their prime. Um, let's just sort of like James Wiseman and Jonathan Kaminga for miles Turner works. Like just it from a, it works. If if you do that trade, if you're Golden State, you instantly become a substantial favorite for the title this year. Why do you not do that? Well, I know so, why. I know why they they've they've kind of operated sort of one foot in each bucket of like we're all in now, but not really because we still have these like these rookies that we really like, and those are rookies that you you know Moses Moody had a huge game in the in the in the uh, G League the other day. As another another young player I like for them, uh, but you know at the same time like where are you at in your team? And if you're trying to win title this year and next year, that's the kind of move you make. And I, and I like Turner a lot as a player. My, my issue is, and I guess let's talk it out a little bit. Like, how does he fit into what they do uh, defensively? Offensively, I, I think that uh, you can you can make some semblance. All right, he can space out to the corner. Do you trust him to operate stuff uh, up at the elbow? Like, can you run split cuts off of him when Draymond's not in the game? I think he probably can. He, he's a fine passer. He's not a next level guy, but he can get the job done. And he's going to be an upgrade athletically on Looney. But will he be an, an upgrade from a defensive IQ and, and just having that chemistry? That See, I think that the Warriors pay more attention to internal chemistry than maybe any other team in the league. And I do think that part of the reason why you get so much Kevon Looney is because Kevon Looney knows how to play with all these guys. And, he's, and he's there's something really to be said for that. He's been he's, great. He's a, I mean, he's a guy who never is, is, puts up like huge stats. But like, you know, we talked a couple of weeks ago about like their – you know, that that like otherworldly defensive quarter they had against the Bulls in that game earlier this year. And as much as it was Draymond, it was Looney who was the guy who was really the key to that because they were trapping a lot and Looney being able to get to spots early and recover and stuff like that. was. So I agree with you there. But this is like one of the three best rim protectors in the league and one of like the couple guys who can both protect the rim and space the floor in, in the league. So, you know – at a certain point, like sheer talent trumps a little bit. First, I'm going to plug another one Mo thing because I literally did one on the Warriors defense and the rotation in that exact Chicago game. Uh, and I had several clips to choose from. I literally just focused and drilled down on one. Go check that out on my Twitter feed. But I'm with Seth. Turner's an upgrade over Looney. And that's not a shot at Looney. Looney's been really good. But just think about it this way. He's a three and block guy. Right. Like that's we always talk about three and D. He's a three and block guy. He's going to shoot the three ball sh career. Thirty six percent three point shooter shooting around thirty eight percent this year. Like that's impressive. I think think of the looks he'd get with the with the Warriors. Oh, it's going to be wide open and it's going to be wide open. Spread the floor, open up more cutting lanes for guys and things like that. I think defensively, you have a lot of stuff with what he can do. But here's the big thing. We saw it in their first game against Phoenix. At some point, they're going to have to deal with DeAndre Ayton. You know, size is going to be a factor. And, and you know, Looney's fine. He can do all right. But when you, I feel much more comfortable if it's Miles Turner versus DeAndre Ayton if I'm the Warriors in that sense. So I'm with Seth and, like, this is 
this is like, if you're the Warriors, this is a guy you're going for, trying to compete for a championship the next two years. And I like Kaminga. I, I think he has a really promising type future, but you got to give up something to try to win a championship. You know, you can't just hold oh, on yeah, to these yeah. things, right? You can't try to be stingy with this. Because in the war, you know, they're, they're, this has driven me nuts. They've been trying to trade Sabonis for like three years now. Right. Like, I don't I don't understand it either, by the way, for why they want to trade Sabonis. I mean, excuse me. I have a Sabonis idea, trade idea. But Sorry. They've been trying to trade Turner, excuse me, for three years now. Okay. That Turner, was my thing. Yes. And, and they've and I've been like, no, no, no. Trade Sabonis. Trade Sabonis. I'm a Thank bigger you. Turner fan. Like Thank this you. is this is the guy I like more um, with all of those things. So uh, but if that's a dude that's on the market, that's a guy you got to go get. And if you're the Warriors, it's I'm with Seth. This you automatically, barring injury, knock on wood, become the prohibitive favorites. And that's even without Clay Thompson coming in. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. And you get a little bit of that thing that, you know, the Lakers had a couple seasons ago where you had LeBron and Anthony Davis as your backline guys. And then you have Draymond and you have Miles Turner as your backline guys. And yeah, I I get that. Again, though, I do think that the Looney thing, his ability to play, it's that's a factor in into whether or not they they go for a replacement for Looney. I, I think that you well, know there's a little bit of almost like the Warriors and, and maybe even in Steve Kerr, it's almost a little bit too much loyalty, if that makes yeah. sense. And, and I don't know that they'll that they'll get over that. And especially like you just mentioned, Seth, having having one foot on both sides of the fence and it's working. I don't know that they're going to push themselves into that. Hey, Steph Curry is having another MVP season and we can't waste it mindset. It's working when they're not playing seven game series against Phoenix. Right. And that's like, this is, this is the thing where a team in the, in the warrior. And and it's funny because, you know, it like uh, warning book plug coming up, but the playoff chapter in my book is called 82 and the 82 and the 16 because Dray- that's what Draymond came up with to describe the the you know the difference between regular season and playoff basketball. Everything that they're not they shouldn't even be worrying about the sixteen. They should be worrying about the eight or the twelve. Like second round plus of the playoffs. Anything they do right now needs to be looking at that. How does this work then? And yeah, Looney as a starting center is great against twenty five teams in the league. Unfortunately, the teams that they're going to play, presumably in the Western Conference and NBA Finals, have guys like DeAndre Ayton, have guys, if the Lakers get their stuff together, have guys like Anthony Davis, have guys like Joel Embiid or Giannis and Nicombo. Like, uh, Nick Claxton's you know, offended. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So, so where are we sending Sabonis and Levert? We're sending Miles Turner to to the Warriors. We're sending Ben Simmons or Dame to to Philly. We're sending Ben Simmons to Portland, maybe. Um, uh, well, where are we sending I, Sabonis? Well, slow down on Ben Simmons. Oh, <laughs> oh, we no. are sending. Uh, we're sending. We're sending Sabonis to Philly. We're sending. This is the trade. I uh, uh, Sabonis, TJ Warren, and uh, Sabonis to Philly for Ben Simmons. You you talked to her about about like the the, the facilitation and passing uh, that Embiid is doing. 
add one of the the better post big men elbow entry passers in the league in Sabonis. Now, those guys aren't necessarily going to play 30 minutes a night together with each other. They may not close games in every matchup, but that does give you something that Philly has not had for five years, which is a competent interior hub when Embiid is either injured or not or resting or on the bench. This is the – there's every year but one of Embiid's career. The Sixers have been more than 10 points per 100 better with Embiid on the bench, and that's a problem for them. And so, yes, even if together they aren't the perfect pairing, I think they can play together well enough and then play well enough separately to have that make a lot of sense. And I think that gives them more of an upgrade in areas of weakness than C.J. McCollum would. I uh, I don't like it. <laughs> I hate we've, it. Fair enough. I hate it. We've, right. we've, I know I I'm, it. I'm the only one we've, on this one. We've, like we've seen this Sam movie and Danny before. hated it too. We've seen this movie before, and his name is Al Horford. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like we've seen, we've seen, and Al Horford's a better three point shooter. Like it just, it just, it does. I don't know if it if it works as well when they're on the court in that stuff. And and for me, if if I'm trading Simmons and I'm and I'm Philly. It needs to be a, a ball handler, playmaker, a guy I can put the ball in his hands in the final minute and go get us a bucket. Because as good as Embiid has been in the crunch time situation, there are still limitations. Go back and watch the Minnesota game where they were trying to post post up Embiid in the final minute of regulation, and they couldn't they couldn't do it. And Minnesota did a great job defending that. Also, it's but just you know slightly who, you a know problem. Who could make an entry pass. You know who'd be a great person to be able to make that entry pass is our is Demontis Sabonis. He's one so, of my listen. He's one of the to me. It's one of the hardest guys to find a fit for yeah, Simonis, yeah. because he can't do anything off the dribble, but he has to have the ball in his hands to really be effective on offense. I, I just and yeah, he gets you some grunt stuff, but he makes uh, so much money for a guy that requires like you to bend your offense to his skill set. I, I just don't know that that guy coming to Philly makes makes a lot of sense. I would rather see him go somewhere like Orlando where I don't necessarily have to watch him all the time, um, <laughs> but he can make those guys better, right? Like I, I do think that in a situation like that, he can improve the players around him. Um, but, but I, I just don't think he's a, a, a needle mover on a great team. I have one place that it just popped in my head and I'm sure everybody will hate it. I wouldn't mind him in Toronto. They got enough defense out there to kind of make up for some of that stuff. I think they need a little bit more. They need a big guy that can at least rebound and things like that. It's not like he's a great interior defensive presence in that sense, but they just need a size in that in that area. I think they can give it to him in the post and get a little more offense out of that. I think that I, I, I'd like that better for, for Toronto. I don't know what the deal would look like. they play a lot of guys. Well, Toronto also plays a lot of guys that can dribble. Right. And since Sabonis can't, right, like you can you can hide him a little bit and you can actually use him effectively at the elbows and stuff. I don't hate that, Mo. There we go. I don't hate that one. And, and again, it's a young team where he can actually elevate the level of play because, you know, I, I just again, I, I don't know if I'm a contender if I want to add Sabonis. I, I think that that's going to lower your ceiling or at least limit your ceiling to a certain degree. And I Am think I too that, harsh here? No, I, I no, I think okay. that that this that this is part of the reason why you know in talking through this, I started to lean towards, you know, kind of blow it up for for Indiana. Is you start to get into you start to get into all of their guys, and like the one guy who is they've they've kind of two plug and play guys, uh, and one of them is not eligible to be traded this season, mm-hmm. Malcolm Brogdon, and the other one is injured, and we won't see him for another month, which is T.J. Warren. So that makes kind of their, their any sort of attempt to retool. Um, pretty difficult for them. So that's so it's like, okay, we can't retool and we're just slowly like this team is just sort of slowly degrading under this construction. So we can either wait till we have to suck or we can, you know, try to try to manage the process ourselves and and really get a jump start on the the rebuild. And they're winning too much to, you know, yeah. like at, at this point for a team that is just not going to be very good, that it is better to just pull the plug, I I, I think. Um, another team that, that has some decisions to make is the Boston Celtics because, you know, they're kind of stuck in the middle of the pack right now. Uh, we know what they have in Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Uh, outside of that, man, everything else feels sort of like a question mark. So, you know, they were in on Miles Turner. Uh, last year, I, I wonder, is there a chance that they could be in on Miles Turner again? I mean, what kind of moves do you guys think the, the Celtics need to be thinking about? 
Celtics need a need uh, a creator more than like it, it sounds funny. With you know, you start your team with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Those guys are great scores and and uh, you know and finishers. But neither of them really does much to get stuff for their teammates. And I think the Celtics have guys in their roster who could finish if plays is created for them. I mean, they might have the best like dive and dunk guy in the game. Okay, Capella is probably the best right now, but Robert Williams is right there. And they just they, they can't utilize him enough because they don't have anyone to to kind of pull the string on that. Like Schroeder is okay. But they need a they need a creator to like open stuff up for for sure. And they they have a lot of they have a lot of these younger wings who might be three and D guys, but they never get to take the three because they're the open three because there's no one who can set the table for them. So I think that's what they need more than more you know more than you know uh, interior presence because I think that they have especially between Horford and Williams they they have that. It's it's the other end that, that I think is the the issue. I mean, that has been my problem with the Celtics for like the past two years is who's creating for everybody else. Who's everything Seth said is correct. I like to call those guys connectors, right? Just keep the offense flowing, keep everything moving, connect everybody. And, and you know, the answer isn't trading Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum. Like people think like, can those two coexist? Yes. You need the third piece to make it work. Uh a guy like Ricky Rubio. Like I wasn't expecting the Cavs to have the jump that they had this season. I was like, yo, keep an eye on that. Like that might be somewhere where the Celtics should look if the Cavs struggle, but that ain't happening now. And and there's not a lot of these guys. Uh, I went on Jay King's podcast, anything potable um, a few weeks ago when we talked about it. There's just not a lot of those connector type guys anymore, but that's what they need so badly. Cause it's not Marcus smart, even though he may lead them in assist. That's the problem. Marcus Smart leading you in assist is the problem. And it's not a shot at Smart. He's doing the best he can, but he's not a natural no, playmaker. A no, yeah. but he's just not a natural playmaker for others, right? In the way that Rubio is, in the way that obviously Chris Paul's unattainable, but like in that sense of they just keep it moving. They know where so-and-so hasn't gotten a touch in a while. Let's make sure we get the ball moving there or or things like that. The problem with the Celtics offense is a lot of the times is it's swing, stop, swing. You know, and the defense has now caught up to all the rotations. And I think that's that's the thing they need to, to find. So, like, you know, I was hoping they'd find a way to get Lonzo Ball last trade deadline. Obviously, we thanks to the uh, tampering investigation, we know that never, that was never <laughs> quite possible for them uh, in the offseason. But that's that's where the Celtics need to look. And, and, and find those guys. And if it means they got to trade some of their young guys, if it means they got to trade Marcus Smart to find that guy. They got to do it. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. What do this is this is an idea that's sort of percolated around and anytime I've mentioned this to anyone with any affection for the Celtics, they've gotten very cross with me. Um, since we're sending Ben Simmons everywhere, <laughs> ben, ben Simmons for Jalen Brown. Ooh. Is there any... Is there any I mean, is you really any- like Philly. I, I, I know you and Daryl are buddies, but that's a gift. I mean, well, Jalen Brown. Ben Simmons yeah. is better than Jalen Brown. What at what? Basketball. I mean, maybe at defense, but not yeah. at basketball. No way. Okay. No, well, we, there is. Are you being serious, or are you just? Are I'm, you not, I'm, I'm. I'm. Uh, you know. Okay. You can. You can. You can look at my player tiers and think. Uh, and, I, and, and see I will that, look at your player yeah, tiers. I'll go and back see, and look. But yeah. I, I think. 
I would rather have Jalen Brown. Um, uh, well, okay. All things considered, like you have to know some things about where, like you know, Simmons is, wants to be there and is willing to play the role next to Jason Tatum and all of these things. Like, yes, you have to like. It, but assuming those those questions are answered correctly, I I think that would make them better. But I mean, it's going to make Philly better. That's for sure. <laughs> well, yeah, Jalen Brown's a better player. Similar, like you know, you could you could trade. I don't know. You could you could trade. Simmons for Buddy Heald, and it would make the Sixers better right now. But it sure. doesn't mean it's a good trade. Um, can we? Since we're on this, and we kind of wanted to touch on this team, I know we're we're running a little long, but there's a natural connection in my mind between you, you talked about swing, swing, stop. Jason Tatum has got to play quicker, and that's the problem for another team this year. Julius Randle has got to play quicker. And I think that's been a huge part of why the Knicks have struggled as much this year. Like, yeah, Kembo has had, has not been great and he got taken out of the rotation, but their offense is still very clunky. And a lot of it is is Randall is trying I, – I, I think he, he's trying so hard. He's like, it's, you know, it, it's, it's a golfer squeezing the club too tight. That's, is, is really the analogy that I can think of. That, that explains my I, problem. No, I think, no, no. I, think yeah. I think that leads to like snap hooks and stuff. Like I, I that, think the is, thing with Randall is just, again, it's a guy being asked to do too much. It's not necessarily that he can't handle the role that he's in because we saw him do it last year. But I think that it's just too much. He doesn't have uh, the guard help. You know, it's a very similar situation to Boston. They, they just don't have the guy who's initiating the offense – I mean, Derrick Rose, I think, is is having a good season. Emmanuel quickly has been pretty good. Burks has been pretty good. Burks has been good. But the Kemba thing, like they needed the Kemba thing to work out. Like their their entire gamble this year was, hey, we need some more offense, even though I I don't – I mean, I think that the defense last year maybe was a little bit uh, fool's gold. But they Careful. felt like they needed they needed more <laughs> offense, and they went and got Kemba Walker and Fournier, and they're not working out. Although Fournier had a, a okay game here and there uh, in the last few weeks, but neither one of those guys working out has really hurt them. No, I mean, right? my, I'm with you, Seth. My thing is, I didn't really believe Randall's season last year was real. I wanted to see what this year would have. What I, I was like, it was great. He was awesome. I want to see what he looks like next season and being now and and we're kind of seeing it i think you know that was a bit of fool's gold to a degree now it's not to say he's not a good player but it's just not like he was at another level last season and i think this season i'm with you Seth. he's got to play quicker and things like that but it's just not in his nature like it's just not who he is in that sense the way he plays is very much isolation heavy and things like that i'm not a big fan of his game i think he's a my thing with him is pass the freaking ball Right. And there are games where he does pass and there are games where he doesn't. And it's like, yo, dude, no, move the freaking ball. It will make your life easier in that sense and and, and help enable other guys. But sometimes he just holds on to that damn thing for too long. And, and that screws up their entire offense. And part of it, too, is the Knicks don't really have an offense. And that's on Thibodeau. Yeah, I think. Well, yep. And that's that's yeah, on Tibbs. You know, like that's yeah. I, like. I can't describe their offense. It's give the ball to Randall, get the hell out of the way. Give the ball to Derrick Rose, get the hell out of the way. High screen and roll for for quickly. That's it. There's no fluidness. There's no flow to anything. There's no kind of let's get this action. No second side. Yeah, let's get this action. Then to be able a few times we'll switch it up and add a quirk. That's why I think I said it last season. Tibbs needs an offensive coordinator. I hate the coordinator system in, in, in NBA coaching, to be honest, but Tibbs needs it. Like, could you just imagine what would happen if he had Tom Thibodeau and Mike D'Antoni team up? Like, that would be kind of freakish. But it, you need somebody that can sort of help develop. Especially, offense. I think that's. I think oh that's kind God. of like well, what they'd happens. have to play Obi Toppin, right? Yeah. Like Obi yeah. Toppin would be playing a lot, and and Julius Randle would be the five. You know, that team would rule. It's, I mean, I think I think Knicks fans are would be very happy to see more of that. But at the same time, you put like like Tibbs and D'Antoni on the same bench. It was, yeah, like if I, they ever touched, it would be like you know ant matter and antimatter colliding. And, and this space time continuum can't handle this. Yeah, then we, well, then we the have streams. a new universe because yeah, exactly. Wasn't Tom Thibodeau? Wasn't he a a score first point guard when he played? 
I want to say I heard that story. I mean, I know what D'Antoni was. D'Antoni played like he coached, but uh, I, my understanding was that Tom Thibodeau was like a score first I think point it's more, guard. I think it's more common that it's the other way, like that, like like coaches Absolutely. go the opposite of how they play. Yeah, yeah. No, like yeah. Larry Bird was a was a like you know defense hard minded like. Guy. So Tiz has no defense in his game. Basically, is what we're saying. <laughs> he plays zero defense. But you'd be lucky if he crosses motion and fast breaks. He's the crosses half court. Tom Thibodeau plays basketball just like Zach Harper. He, he's going three point line to three point line. Yeah. He's getting those shots up. Zach Harper. Shouts to Zach Harper and his profanity on live radio. All right. Well, that's going to do it for the first trade pod of the season. Next one probably coming up around January 15th when all those extension eligible guys uh, who signed those extensions are able to be traded. And then, look, I think Indiana is probably going to carry all this on too long and probably go to the all-star break. And, you know, so we've got a couple months to sit here and talk about all the places that the Montes Sabonis can go and uh, and raise the level of uh, lesser players around him. Uh, for Mo and Seth, I'm Dave. Keep it locked right here to the Athletic NBA Show, where we got the Saturday Slam and Jam coming up tomorrow. Catch you guys next week with another episode of Nerder She Wrote. They apologize to me yet? <laughs> <laughs>